having tools to declutter your self-talk thought or get to that positive framework within your mind can help you declutter your home so much because it helps you get over those decluttering roadblocks. And even just the thought of, I should declutter my home. I mean, anytime we use the word should, that's an automatic negative thought. That's negative. That needs to be decluttered. It's making decluttering feel like a burden, not an opportunity, right? Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Who do you talk to the most? Maybe you're thinking my spouse, my kids, my friends, or my coworkers. This may surprise you, but the answer is none of the above. On a daily basis, the person you talk to the most is, without question, yourself. We each have around 70,000 self-talk thoughts a day. And here's the problem, 80% of them are negative. When we hear a steady barrage of negative words from the person we talk to by far the most, life becomes anything but simple. Disempowering thoughts, especially when repeated often, drag us down and complicate our lives. These thoughts distract us from the present moment, keeping us from meeting our goals and stop us from fully living our lives. However, what if we could apply the idea of decluttering to this area? Joining me today to encourage us as we declutter negative self-talk is Julia Ubega, voice behind the popular social media account and blog, Rich in What Matters. Today, Julia will take us through her process of forming better habits around the way we speak to ourselves. But before we get there, I quickly wanted to share a minimalist resource with you. The book is called My Huga Home by Mike Viking. If you're local to Columbus, then you know how cold it can get here in the winter. And I'm always looking for ways to make my home cozy. So I was really excited to see that Mike had written this new book that was released back in November. And I found myself flipping through it, getting ideas for this winter season. I think even if you aren't in a colder season, incorporating huga into your lifestyle would be of benefit. So in the book, Mike explains how you can use color, light, and space to create your happy place and celebrate coziness the Danish way. So I will link to the book in the show notes and I may or may not have a special surprise when it comes to Mike Viking here in the not so distant future. So stay tuned for that. And without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Julia. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks, Diane, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. And as always, I ask everyone, do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? So I'm Julia. I'm a mom of four. And yes, I am a minimalist, but I have not always been one. Far from it, actually. So my story starts in Iowa, and I grew up close to my grandma, and my grandma had a compulsive shopping disorder. So I would go into her home as a kid and I would see her multiple closets. They were just filled to the brim, overflowing with new clothes. 90% would still have the price tags on them. And so as a kid, I thought this was normal. So I would spend time with my grandma and naturally we'd go shopping. And I soon learned that shopping was fun. Shopping was a way to feel good. It was a way not to feel bad. And I carried this mindset into my 20s. I started making money. I started spending money. And pretty soon... I had a whole lot of stuff and $40,000 worth of credit card debt. 
And so when I thought about the debt, I felt bad. I was embarrassed by the number. But then when I felt bad, I went and bought something new because that's what I thought would make me feel good and made me feel happy. And so really, this cycle just continued up about until the time our second daughter was born. And I was working outside the home as a speech language pathologist at the time. But I'd always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So that was my dream, to stay at home with our kids. At the time, my husband got a promotion. And so it worked out that I could stay at home. And just had this really idyllic vision of what stay-at-home mom life would be like. So in my mind, we'd be baking cookies. We'd be reading Little House on the Prairie. So in my mind, it was going to be great, right? Well, about two weeks into the stay-at-home mom gig, I wouldn't have even considered myself a stay-at-home mom. So I would have said that for me, a better title would have been full-time stuff manager because that's what I did. I was constantly just tripping over things and picking things up, looking for things, cleaning things. It was stressful. I was exhausted. I wasn't present to the people around me. So really, I was just overwhelmed. And a couple months into living this way, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. And so I have this memory of this morning where I was up in the nursery, feeding the baby, and really just pleading with God and being like, God, what is going on here? This is not what I signed up for. Something needs to change. And I was reading the Bible and a couple of verses from Luke 12 just jumped off the page at me. And they said, Your life does not consist of possessions. Be rich in what matters. And so I stopped there and I asked myself, was I rich in what mattered? Was I rich in quality time with my family? Was I rich in time for prayer and meditation, for self-care, for a hobby that I loved? And no, the answer was absolutely, absolutely not. I wasn't. So that planted the seed that something in my life around the area of possessions needed to change, but I didn't know what. I didn't know where to go from there. And so that same week, I had a therapy appointment. And at the end of the session, just as I was leaving, the therapist said, she said, Julia, have you ever heard of minimalism? And I said, you know, something along the lines of, oh, you mean houses with white walls and next to nothing in them? Uh-huh. And she's like, well, there's more to it than that. Look into it. I think you might be interested. And so I was curious. I went home. I just did a Google online search about minimalism. And, and I realized that there's a lot of resources out there about it. And so I started reading books and blogs. I listened into podcasts. This idea that I didn't need all this stuff to be happy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'd be a whole lot happier if I had a whole lot less of it, because then I would have more time and energy to focus on who and what mattered. Mm -hmm. It was a mindset shift that was life-changing. And it really gave me just a a vision of how to get out of this postpartum depression tunnel that I felt like I was stuck in at the time. So I went all in on minimalism. I started a blog at the time. I called it Rich and What Matters, based on the verse that spoke to me. And it's just been a fun journey. We got rid of about 75% of our stuff over the course of the first year. And then we downsized to an apartment for a couple of years. So we've been living as a minimalist family for about four years now. And we have four kids ages eight, five, two, and seven months. And for me as a mom, living with less has just been so life-giving mm-hmm. because it's a life of less stress and less anxiety because I'm not overwhelmed by the amount of stuff in our home anymore. And it's a life of more freedom too, because I'm not stuck looking for happiness in my next purchase or possession anymore. To be honest, we have a lot of kids. There might be a lot going on in our home at times. There might be a lot of noise. But now in the midst of that noise, there's just this sense of calm. And it's because we live with less stuff. So yeah, I'm a minimalist. I'm happy to be one.
rich in what matters. What prompted you to start the account and what's prompted you to start sharing your joy and your, again, there's chaos with a lot of kids. I get it. But how did that translate into, I'm getting to a point where I want to start encouraging other women to find what is rich and what matters most. That's a great question. I think that so many moms out there are overwhelmed right now. And I see it in my friends. I saw it in myself and I saw how much this mindset shift and lifestyle shift made a difference in my life. And so I just wanted to share that with others too. And I mean, the culture we live in, and this goes right along with our topic today of decluttering self-talk, because the culture we live in makes us think that we should be different, that we should live a different way. We should look different. We should own different things. We should be doing different activities with our family, right? I think that minimalism, it is about your physical stuff, but it's also about the you underneath your stuff. And so when we get rid of our physical possessions, then we can start looking on what is it in our life that needs to be decluttered? Like, what is it interiorly inside us that needs to be decluttered? And so I just thought this message of decluttering our physical possessions and our interior possessions, you could say. And I think that when we start decluttering the things in our home, at least I've seen for myself, it does release this burden that we didn't even realize that we're carrying. And I think they kind of, you're right, they go together. The self-talk, I've noticed a shift or even back when I started to pursue minimalism, I noticed the shift in my own behaviors to myself. I didn't arrive when I started pursuing minimalism. I don't think you can start pursuing a life with less in your home if you're not having this positive framework inside your mind. Would you agree? I don't know. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would say that having tools to declutter your self-talk thought or get to that positive framework within your mind can help you declutter your home so much because it helps you get over those decluttering roadblocks. And even just the thought of, I should declutter my home. I mean, anytime we use the word should, that's an automatic negative thought. That's negative. That needs to be decluttered. It's making decluttering feel like a burden, not an opportunity, right? And so just even the thought that I should declutter my home is very much one that if you reframe it as I would like to declutter my home because then I would be able to have more time to focus on what matters. Sure. You know, that is a complete different than you make decluttering an opportunity and you're more likely to jump in. All right. Well, where do you want to start with this conversation? We've kind of started to dive in, but what's the first step in decluttering our self-talk? How do we recognize it even? Right. So that is the first step would be awareness, right? And again, this is just so important to become aware of our self-talk thoughts, because if you stop and think about it, who is it that we talk to the most every day? Like, who is it that you talk to the most? every day. It's yourself. And it's going to be yourself for the rest of your life every single day. So what it is that you're telling yourself is super important. And you want to hold on to the messages that are serving you and let go of the ones that aren't. So studies show that we have up to 50,000 self-talk thoughts a day. But the thing is that 80% of those studies show are negative and 90% are repetitive. So whatever you're thinking today You're going to have those 90% of those thoughts tomorrow, unless you have some type of an intervention to come in and shake things up, right? To change the way you're thinking. That is what decluttering your self-talk thoughts will do. And so you're going to start with awareness. Really, you're going to just start observing your self-talk, observing it for what it is, not judging. There's no way it should sound, but just kind of eavesdropping on yourself, just listening in. So what is it that you're telling yourself? So once you start tuning into that, then I think it's really powerful to get it out on paper and to examine it. So just take a sheet of paper, make two columns. On one side, you're going to have the truthful 
positive thoughts. And on the other side, you're going to have the negative thoughts. And so just write down what is it that you're hearing. So on the truthful side, you might hear things like, I'm caring for my family. I'm a good mom. I'm really present to my kids today. Those type of thoughts are truthful. Write those down. On the negative side, you might hear things like, I should really keep the house cleaner, or I never put together a good enough dinner, or even I should declutter my home, or I'm failing as a mom. So we hear those type of things, and we need to be aware of them. So put those in the negative column, because those are the ones that you're going to want to then declutter from your life. So you're saying becoming aware, awareness, and just writing down all of our thoughts that we're having coming into our head. I mean, what does that actually look like when you started doing that? I want specifics. Am I waking up early to sit down and to think? That's a great question. No, this is what I did. I've been doing this for five years now. So that's why I'm so passionate about it because it's just made such a difference in my life. So I've been doing this for about five years. And when I started, I would say that, well, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. And so I just put a piece of paper on the kitchen counter, did that T-chart. And as I passed through the kitchen, that was kind of my cue, right? I saw that paper and that was my cue to be like, oh yeah, this is what I'm working on today. What have I heard recently? What am I hearing right now? And then I would just write that down to see which column it went into. So that's a great question. Okay. So what is the next step? So the next step, so after you become aware of what it is that you're thinking, the next step is going to be developing a decluttering tool. So you are going to be talking back to your thoughts, essentially. So the tool that I love is called ANT catching. So ANT is an acronym. It stands for Automatic Negative Thoughts, A-N-T. And it's a tool coined by Dr. Daniel Amen. And so he outlines nine different categories of ANTs, of automatic negative thoughts. He says, once you catch those ANTs, those automatic negative thoughts, then you smash them with a truth statement. So the decluttering piece is putting a truth statement, pairing it to that negative thought. And that's what's going to take it out of your life. Catch it and replace it. Catch it and replace it. Yep. So one example would be a labeling ant where you call yourself a name. So an example would be, say that you yell at your kids and then automatically you think I'm a bad mom. So catch that. That's not true. And if you replace it with a true statement, it could sound like that situation really tested my patience. I'm showing up and I'm doing my best. So those two statements, not only do they feel different, but they have a different physiological response in your brain. You're either activating your deep limbic system, which is going to make you feel more stressed and more tensed if you're having the negative thought, but the truthful thought is going to calm your deep limbic system. And so you're going to feel more calm, even breathe slower. So I'm just saying that it's really important to realize that every thought we have has a chemical reaction that corresponds in our brain. So really when we're doing this, not only are we changing our brain like structure and function, but we're also changing the way that we're going to respond to the people around us because we're in a different state of mind. That's another reason it's so important to do this. So that was labeling, calling yourself a name. Well, and I feel like if you're not capturing those thoughts and replacing them, I know for me, I can give two quick examples. So as a mom, if I yell at my kids and I think something negatively about myself, Then I feel so many emotions at once. I'm frustrated that my kids behave poorly. I'm frustrated that I don't have a better reaction and initial response. I feel shame about it, but then I feel anger towards them for putting me in that position. 
there's just so many negative, deep spiraling thoughts that I think keep you there and don't help you to overcome. Maybe that was a bad moment, but I'm not a bad mom. Mm -hmm. That was a moment that I don't want to repeat, but I'm not a bad mom. I love my kids. This is how I love my kids. This is how I show love to my kids and reminding yourself of those things. So that was one example. And then another example is Sometimes I feel like in public, I'll just meet someone new and I'll say something just kind of ridiculous or silly. And I'll be like, why did I say that? That was so stupid. Why did you share that much? That was, you're being an oversharer. And instead I can be like, you're a really friendly person. You're extroverted. And that was a neutral thing. You're probably never going to see that person again. And so I'm very extroverted. So I'm thinking if an introvert is trying to step out of their comfort zone and having these conversations with people in public, maybe that is their self-talk that drives them and it keeps them from being more extroverted. So I guess I would say break up that habit and be confident in your personality and who you are. So those are two examples I thought of. Those are great examples. I love those. And I think that spot on with labeling, right? When you're calling yourself those names. I love the example you gave of the spiral because it is a spiral that we start going down. And I I almost think of it like as a spiral staircase and like our way to start stepping back up that staircase are these truth statements. They carry us back up where those negative thoughts are just going to keep sending us down in that spiral and our whole day can be gone when that happens. But the next step then, once you really feel like you have a good feeling for how to replace these negative thoughts with truth statements, then start teaching the people around you how to declutter their self-talk thoughts. So simply start listening to what is it that the people around you are saying. And for me, as a mom, a lot of times it's my kids, right, that I'm around and that I'm listening to. And so I'm going to start catching what they're saying that's not true about themselves and help them then work through how do we reframe this in truth. And so an example from my life would be that we do a hybrid homeschool. So my kids are out two days in a classroom and three days home with me. So we do a lot of math lessons at home. And my eight-year-old this year has had some trouble with math. And we we had this time where she would just sit down to do a math lesson and she would just say, I'm terrible. I am terrible. And I'm like, okay, well, that's labeling, right? She's calling herself terrible. That's not true. And so then I'd help her. I'd catch that. And I'd say, okay, are you really terrible with math or are you just still learning math? And she's like, yeah, I'm still learning. So then I'd have her repeat the truth statement that I'm still learning and getting better every day because that's the truth. So once you start listening to the talk of those around you and especially your kids and you help them reframe their self-talk, this is empowering for them. And it's going to lay the foundation for healthier brains for them and more confidence in the future. And you're giving them these tools that are just going to help them out their whole life. Well, and it's funny, I'll be honest, sometimes I will see my husband do something that I don't like, and it's actually a mirror to what I'm doing that I also don't like. So I'll see him raise his voice to our kids or just do something that I wouldn't want to be caught doing, I guess, or I wouldn't want that mirror reflecting back at me. So when I've noticed him or anyone in public, if I see someone treating someone poorly, it's like, ugh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to ever look like that. I don't want to say I have a preoccupation with it, but I think as we're starting to really declutter our negative self-talk, we should have a preoccupation with it because it's a habit that we want to change. We want to get better about. So I've always said this about minimalism. I used to be a lot more preoccupied or overthinking things that I would not want to do whether it was just overanalyzing purchases or making purchasing decisions. At this point, that's just a habit. And so I don't have to think nearly as hard. But I think at the beginning, you're going to have to put a little bit more effort and have that preoccupation with what your goal is. Absolutely. Yeah, I think up front, if this is something somebody's feeling called to work on, because I mean, the bottom line is, you deserve to talk to yourself the way you would a good friend. And if you're not, 
why not? You're going to be talking to yourself the rest of your life. It's time to start, right? So if this is something someone's feeling called to work on, then yeah, list out those steps. One, two, three, you know, you're going to awareness, work on the tool, teach it to others and post it on the microwave, post it where you need to, to have those cues that, Hey, this is what you're working on now and get started. Well, do you have any other final word of encouragement that you want to share with listeners as we wrap this conversation up? Yeah. You know, I would say that decluttering our Self-talk can also help us declutter our home. And so that's another incentive really to go there. You know, I'll just give an example from my life that I can think of. Like I had this sweater from my mother-in-law. She gave it to me for Christmas a couple of years ago and I'm decluttering my closet and the sweater doesn't really fit anymore. It's itchy. It's just not something that I love. And my self-talk thoughts say, I should keep this. This was a gift from my mother-in-law. This is what I should do. And so if you're thinking this is what I should do. That sweater is going to go right back up in the closet and it's going to stay in the closet until you have some type of a intervention that comes in and changes the way you're thinking. So if you would reframe that in truth, then it would look something like my mother-in-law loves me. She wants me to keep what serves me and I'm going to let the sweater go and let it benefit somebody else. And so then the sweater goes into the donate box, which was your goal. So it can help you as you declutter your self-talk. It can help you also declutter your home. It kind of wraps back to what we were talking about at the beginning, that they kind of work together in tandem. They encourage one another, the mental side and the actual physical, tangible side. You have to have both of those components in order to move through your home. And I think your mindset. I totally agree with you. Would you recommend Dr. Amen, people digging deeper into him as well with the ant? Absolutely, I would. And he's on Instagram, very active on Instagram, does a lot of videos there. I recommend his books, his Instagram account, anything you've seen written by him. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Okay, great. Well, I'll include some of his resources in the show notes as well. But where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online? Sure. So my blog is richandwhatmatters.com. And then I am fairly active on Instagram too, at richandwhatmatters. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up this conversation, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? So speaking of resources, I have resources on my blog. I have courses. I have a new one that just came out. It's a video course. It's really fun because I go through our entire home and show how we live minimalism. I just kind of narrate it, how we live minimalism as a family of six. But a resource that's been helping me lately is this is more of a conscious parenting resource than a minimalist resource. But um, an article that I read out of Georgetown University, it was called Three Things to Say to Your Child Every Day. And really is just the idea that kids are going to feel more loved and seen in the home and their sense of worth is going to grow if you're saying these things to them regularly. And so the three things were, I see you, you matter, and I love watching you. And so I've been incorporating these in how I talk to our kids lately. And it's just really neat to see how they respond. Like my daughter was making a bracelet the other day. And I said, Mm -hmm. I love watching you make those bracelets. Mm -hmm. And she just lit up and she started telling me, oh, you know, this is the pattern I'm using and the colors. And she just really responded well to that. So. And then lastly, what is something that you can't stop talking about? So lately, I've been talking a lot about a nonprofit called The Hope Effect. And a friend of mine, Joshua Becker, he's a minimalist blogger as well. This is his nonprofit that he started a few years ago. And so the Rich and What Matters community has been doing a fundraiser for The Hope Effect. It helps children get out of orphanages and into loving homes. So it changes the way that the world cares for orphans. And Joshua and I, we did an Instagram Live a couple of weeks ago to promote it. And so I've just been talking about it a lot lately. And it's a really great cause. You can see it online, hopeeffect.com. Cool. Well, I'll include that as well. Well, Julia, thank you so much for joining me today. This will be airing in January. So we're all starting to think through what we want to do differently this year. I think this is an encouragement to people as they start to think through some of those things. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Dan. 
What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports The Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.